they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. <laughs> Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 1st of October, the first Friday of October. And I want to begin, it's noon, so we'll begin with the Angelus. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray, pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How could you get more biblical than remembering the incarnation? Yeah, isn't that beautiful? You know? Beautiful, beautiful. What a gift. Um, so we want to uh, ask the angels to enlighten us here, and we're going to look at today's gospel, the gospel for the 26th week in Ordinary Time, Friday. It's from Luke 10, 13 through 16. And Jesus says to the crowd, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty deeds done in your midst had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would long ago have repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. As for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to the heaven? You will go down to the nether world. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is talking here to a couple of towns, Chorazin and Bethsaida, where he's done miracles. These are Jewish towns where he's gone and done and miracles. And he compares them to Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon are north of um, uh, Bethsaida and, and um, Chorazin. They're north of Galilee. And they're pagan towns where he hasn't preached. But he's telling the Jews that have heard him, if these pagans had heard me, they would have repented. And you haven't done that. You haven't repented. So the Lord, you know, he, he's warning us here. It's, it's not about just listening to his word and hearing his word. It's, are, we, are we repenting? Are we giving up our sins? And, and I think we as Christians need to look and ask ourselves, you know, we hear the gospel, we go to church. Hopefully we're going to church. I hope we're reading the scriptures every day, praying the scriptures and, and praying and, and being in conversation with God. But is it affecting our life? Or are we falling into the trap of believing that, oh, well, you know, once saved, always saved, or um, it doesn't really matter to God what I do. It's okay. He's forgiving, and he'll forgive me anything anyway. You know, by the way, it's presumption to think that, well, I can commit this sin, and God will forgive me. 
Mary, this this particular reading applies to our own culture, to every culture, but let's apply it to us right now individually and also to our own church and to the secular world. It seems to me that we we should have something to really uh, be uh, concerned with by the fact that our culture has not turned to Christ. We haven't got our, even even in some cases, church leaders have dropped the ball, individual people have dropped the ball, and the world uh, is really having an influence on us much more than we are having an influence on them. So this reading makes me work want to work even harder to share the gospel because right now the culture, even in our church, we, we, we seem to have missed uh, the full gospel, when I say a biblical gospel, that justice, mercy, they go together. You can't separate the two. And sometimes I see, even inside the church, that we just want to talk about mercy, 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 and not call people to repent and believe in the gospel. That's my take. And, and I think I think that's a good point, and we we need to be aware of the fact that you know it's not it's not that there is a saying that goes around you know Christians aren't different they're just forgiven, well that's not really true. You see the forgiveness of Christ makes us different. It makes us aware of the fact that you know first of all Jesus Christ came and he paid a price for us, yep. a, a really heavy price. You know yep. he gave his life, he shed his blood, he really shed his blood, he really suffered. And, and would he have died on that cross if there wasn't something very real and very terrible he was trying to save us from? And at the same time, that cross is the greatest manifestation of the love of heaven. This is how much I love you, that I'm willing to suffer for you. But it's not enough. Like you say, we have to, are we living it? And here, you know, we live in a culture of death. We do. And what is the roots of that culture? Of what are the roots of that culture of death? The roots of that culture of death are called the pleasure culture. Yep. That I can live for myself and my own pleasure. That that it's egocentric. It's about my pleasure, what makes me feel good in the moment, regardless of the long-term consequences. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, a, it's actually kind of a dualistic living where, well, I want my body to feel good and, and I'm not really worried about my soul. God's going to take care of that. I can do whatever I want with my body. I can sin and sin boldly, mm-hmm. as one of the reformers said. Ouch. And it's okay because Jesus' blood just covers over us and we're just dunghills covered with snow. Well, that's not the gospel Jesus preaches. He preaches a gospel that calls us to live a life that's according to his commandments. And, and I want to ask ourselves, and I know as, as a teenager, as a young, you know, a young person growing up, we had television in our home. Not always. We didn't always have a TV in our home because we couldn't afford it. But sometimes we did. And, and unfortunately, I, I spent a lot of hours watching TV. Yeah. And you know what? In, in retrospect, most of those hours were simply wasted time, precious time. God has given us only so many moments of life, and we don't know. I was talking to someone about this recently because currently I have three members of my immediate family in the hospital, and um, I mean immediate in terms of brothers and sisters and nieces. And, and the reality is, is that all of a sudden you, you, you're like, wait a minute, you know, um, any one of them could die. But I remember a previous occasion in our family where we had someone in the hospital having open heart surgery and we got a call one morning at six in the morning that said that he had died and that well we all expected that no big deal 15 minutes later the phone rang it was my uncle who had the open heart surgery and the phone rang and said it wasn't him it was his wife it was my aunt hmm. she had died in her sleep nobody expected it it was like wow. whoa wait a minute nobody was expecting her to die 
And, and, and we don't know. We don't know that my uncle has survived his open heart surgery and he lived for, I don't remember how many more years, mm-hmm. years ago, but my aunt just died in her sleep. And, yep. and we don't know. So we need today to examine ourselves. Are we wasting time on the internet? Are we wasting time um, following the lies and trying to give truth to the lies of our culture, especially the lie that I'm living for pleasure? Am I just here to live for pleasure or am I here to serve? You know, it's interesting. The angels um, were given a test to see if they would, could get into heaven. By the way, the angels, when they were created, did not, they, weren't, they didn't see the face of God when they were created. They had to pass a test just like we do. The test is, am I willing to serve? Am I willing to be like God? And God is love. Am I willing to love? And love means I'm willing to sacrifice and serve. Yeah. And what did Satan and his angels say? I will not serve. So are we sitting around and by our actions saying, I won't serve. I'll just, it's about me. Everything's about me. And, and if we are, ask God for the grace to get us up off the couches, out of, our, out of our pleasure, out of our complacency, and light a fire under us so that we will begin to serve for the love of God. Because that's love. We want to love. It's not just about, you know, we can cry out, Lord, Lord, but, you know, hey, you know, here's the deal. We have, we, you know, Jesus said, woe to you. And these were the cities he'd worked miracles in. Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum. He had worked miracles in these places and the people weren't repenting. This is what he's talking about. Repentance. They hadn't given up their sins. And it's so beautiful because the first reading today is from the, the book of the prophet Baruch. And the people are in exile up in Babylon. And what do they say? Justice is with the Lord our God who we today, and we today are flushed with shame, we men of Judah and citizens of Jerusalem, that we with our kings and rulers and priests and prophets and with our ancestors have sinned in the Lord's sight and disobeyed him. Mm. We have neither heeded the voice of the Lord our God nor followed the precepts which the Lord set before us. From the time the Lord led our ancestors out of the land of Egypt until the present day, we have been disobedient to the Lord our God and only too ready to disregard his voice. And the evils and the curses that the Lord enjoined upon Moses, his servant, at the time he led us, our ancestors forth from the land of Egypt to give us a land flowing with milk and honey, cling to us even today. For we did not heed the voice of the Lord our God in all the words of the prophets whom he sent us, but each of us went off after the devices of his own wicked heart, served other gods, and did evil in the sight of the Lord our God. Does that sound like our time? Mm-hmm. Is this all we're doing, going after strange gods, the gods of pleasure, the gods of convenience, the gods of comfort, the god of selfishness, the god of killing our babies? You know, wake up, wake up. We have to wake up. We need to turn back to the Lord. We need to repent of our sins and make Jesus Christ truly the Lord of our life by repenting of our sins and keeping his commandments. Well, that's the boss will repent and believe in the gospel. So it doesn't go out of season. It's the perennial teachings of the church. We come back, we'll get back into the apologetics of our faith using the Bible and having this world biblical view on everything we do, from the vaccine to going to work, living, especially with the little flower today's feast day, a simple life to love Jesus with the heart of Mary. 
We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, October the 1st, the Feast of St. Therese of Lisieux. And um, I want to thank all our supporters, all our listeners, all the stations that carry us. Thank you so much. I want to thank all those who offer their sufferings and their prayers for us. Those are very powerful. All of our sufferings can be offered up in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. And that's what we want to do. That's what the scriptures tell us. So today we're, we're working on a series of apologetics here in terms of the scriptures and what does the scripture teach about certain things that the Catholic faith believes. And one of the, one of the things that um, is a question is, are we saved by faith alone? And is there anywhere in scripture where the two words faith and alone actually occur together in the original languages? Well, it's interesting. In Romans 3, verse 28, Paul wrote, for we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now, in the context, the works of the law that he's talking about are certain dietary restrictions, the circumcision, the, um, the laws of um, sacrifice, animal sacrifice in the temple. There are certain things in the old law that were provisional that would be, find their f- true fulfillment in the new law. And so, but it's interesting that Paul doesn't actually write, we're saved by faith alone. A man isn't justified by faith alone. He's justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Mm-hmm. So it, it, um, the reason that the word alone came into it is because Martin Luther inserted that word. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting. And it's funny because at the time there were people who asked him, well, wait a minute, you know, this is, you're not supposed to change the scripture. Why are you doing that? He said, well, because that's what Paul meant. Well, there is a place in scripture where the words faith and alone do occur. And I want to read that to you. Mm-hmm. And that is actually in the letter of James. And it says that a man is saved, is not saved by faith alone. James tells us that it's not by faith alone. And can I jump in just to say that Martin Luther wanted that book removed for that very reason? Go ahead. Exactly. He wanted, he, he didn't, the letter of James didn't support. No, his, it wasn't the part of his narrative. It, it did, it's not that it didn't support the gospel. It didn't support Martin Luther's interpretation of the gospel. Right. So in the letter of James, chapter 2, verse 24, you see, it says, you see that man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now, the works James is referring to are not the works of the law that Paul had referred to, the dietary laws, the sacrifice laws, the circumcision, okay? Those were provisional in the old law. What is James referring to? He says, faith without works is dead. It says, what profit, my brethren, if a man says he has faith but not works? Can this faith save him? He's asking a question. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and in lack of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things they need for the body, what does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. And it's interesting because James goes on. Mm. (laughs) He says, you believe that God is one, you do well. (laughs) Even the demons believe and shudder. So the faith of the demons doesn't save them. And again, the 
the angels didn't have the beatific vision of God. They were not in heaven. They were created by God. And then God gave them a test. Will you serve? Will you imitate me in love? And Satan said, Lucifer, the highest angel, and a third, apparently a third of the angels followed him, said, no, we will not serve. Well, what is God looking for then? What is James talking about here? He's talking about charity, love. Do we love our neighbor? Okay. And I want to read 1 Corinthians in this context because I think it's so important. I think you all know the, the famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13 where St. Paul is talking about the highest way. Okay. But he says this. He says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, mm. but have not love, I am nothing. Love. Do we have charity toward our neighbor? And I think it's so important, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and he goes on to talk about love and what is it? You know, it's patient and kind and it's not jealous and it's not boastful and it's not arrogant or rude and it does not insist on its own way and it is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in the wrong, but rejoices in the right. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Mm. It never ends. And, and in the end, there will be three things, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. If our faith is not animated by love, what is it? And Mary, who, who, the saint today, I'm going to say, who, could, who's, who taught that so clearly about love? And, you know, the little flower talked about wanting to die of love of God. Exactly. And, and her love, she, remember, she was praying. She's a cloistered, and, and often Protestants and people outside the Catholic Church say, well, these cloistered sisters, what are they doing for the world? I mean, they're yeah. just locked away. They don't go into the cloister because they don't like the world. No. And they don't go into the cloister because they're afraid of the world. Okay? They glow into the cloister out of love to dedicate themselves totally to Christ. And what's interesting about St. Therese of Lisieux St. Therese loved the missions, mm -hmm. and she wanted to be a missionary, but she also believed that God had called her to be his bride in the cloister and to pray and sacrifice. So she prayed and sacrificed for missionaries, and she would correspond with missionary priests. And when they were having difficulties, she would pray more for them. And there was one priest in particular who had miles and miles to walk. And he wrote to her, and he said, I don't think I can keep this mission. I keep up this mission. I, my feet are, they're giving out on me. I can't do this anymore. So Therese went to the Lord and she asked the Lord if she could bear the suffering for wow. him wow. so that he could continue his priestly ministry. Amazing. Well, amazingly enough, and, and this is Jesus works this way. We're all the, the communion of saints, right? We're all in this together, everybody. You know, her feet started to hurt so bad she could barely walk. And she got a letter from that missionary priest and said, I guess I've gotten used to that walk. My feet aren't hurting anymore. I'm going to be able to continue my mission. Wow. She was able to take upon herself. The transfer of the power of that pain. The suffering. Pain. Yeah, the suffering. She took on the suffering for the sake of that priest so wow. that he could carry on his priestly ministry Beautiful. and minister to the people. And again, this isn't, you know, you, you don't <laughs> be careful what you try to take on. She was only doing what God, was God's will. She wasn't trying to do something so that other people would notice her. And, you know, sometimes we want, we want to be noticed. We want, it's like Martha, Martha, you know, when she came to Jesus and she said, Jesus, yep. aren't you worried that my sister has left me with all the household <laughs> duties? 
and and it's which well you know she's feeling sorry for herself she's you know we carry we carry on that pity part or oh look at how hard I have to work and nobody has to work this hard and I have to serve everybody and nobody's serving me and and we're carrying on this little inner dialogue here and we're feeling sorry for ourselves and so we want to go and draw attention to ourselves and look at Mary she's just sitting at his feet and she's like she could do something well Jesus said Mary has chosen the better part and won't be taken from her because Mary wasn't being uncharitable and she wasn't refusing the difficulty was Martha was feeling sorry for herself and, and, you know, sometimes we have a situation in our life that we didn't exactly create. It just, life happens. And we start feeling sorry for ourselves, And we start grumbling inside about how nobody understands us and nobody cares about us. And nobody, and who are we looking at now? We're looking at ourselves. You know, when, when Peter was in the boat and Jesus said, well, well, Peter, and first of all, Peter gave him the challenge. He said, Lord, if it's really you, they didn't think it was him. They thought it was a ghost. But Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Well, Peter, what is he supposed to do? It's really him. So you've set the, the terms. So he says, okay, Peter, come. Yes, it's really me. So Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking on the water. But he has his eyes on Jesus. And then what happens? He perceives the wind and the waves. And he starts to sink. But even in that, he turned his eyes off of Jesus and now he's going to sink and he says, Lord, save me. Immediately he realized I've made a mistake. <laughs> so, and the Lord does. Jesus reaches out his hand and he takes him and he puts him in the boat. Well, here's the deal. If we're complaining about the people and the circumstances around us, we're not going to be seeing Jesus. Do you think the Blessed Mother and John, the evangelist, St. John, and Mary Magdalene at the foot of the cross were complaining about the Romans and the Jewish leaders and Judas and the thief who was berating Jesus and telling him, you know, go, oh, you're the son of, then get down from that cross and save yourselves and us too. Or were they keeping their eyes focused on Jesus? How do you think the good thief was able to recognize who Jesus was? At one point, he had to stop looking at the crowd and everything else that was going on, and he had to be watching what Jesus was doing. And he heard the Lord, he heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he's looking around at this mess, and he's dying, and he, all this, it comes to him. Wait a minute. And he recognizes, he recognizes that Jesus Christ is the Savior. And he acknowledges his own sinfulness when the other thief keeps, he, he gets silent for a while, you know, the good thief. He got silent for a while and he starts taking it in and he starts letting it sink into his heart. He's letting that love touch his heart and soften it. And he says to the other thief, when the other thief says this, you know, get down from that cross, save yourselves and us too. He says, don't you have any fear of God? Don't you have any fear of God seeing that you are under the same sentence? This man has done no wrong. We're only paying the price for our crimes. So he acknowledges Jesus Christ, his Savior and God. He acknowledges the innocence of Jesus Christ, and he acknowledges his own sinfulness. And then he turns to Jesus and he says, remember me. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, this day you shall be with me in paradise. But that he takes that moment of silence to stop and say, wait a minute, what's really going on here? And too oftentimes when we focus on all of the players, 
all of the circumstances, all the lies that are being told, we can't see the Lord. We need to stop and look at the Lord and say, Lord, I need to change my life. I acknowledge that I've sinned. I acknowledge that I've bought into the pleasure culture. I acknowledge that I watch too much TV or I spend too much time complaining or gossiping or whatever it is that I'm doing, too much time on myself, looking at myself and feeling sorry for myself. Help me, Lord. Help me to look at you and to look at others and to allow you to live in and through me and help me to serve in love. Faith is not just a matter of crying out, Lord, Lord. Jesus will say in the gospel, not all of those who cry, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father, he who does the will of my father. Look at Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who cries out, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father. We have to keep God's commandment and do his will. And what is his will? His will is that we be like him and that we serve in love. Well said. Hey, Bible with the Barbers. And we'll come back again in the third segment. And I would urge you, this is first Friday. So if you can get the confession, good practice to make on the first of each Friday. Or get to Mass or Adoration or all three. We'll be right back with more. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And we're looking at the issue of faith alone. Is it faith alone by which we are saved? Or is it um, through a faith that is animated by love? Mm. A faith that works, that serves in charity. And in, in addition to that, is it a faith that leads us to keep the Lord's commandments. You know, it's interesting because, you know, this faith animated by charity, Jesus said something about love at the Last Supper. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So this is, you know, it's not enough just to say, Lord, Lord, we need to keep his commandments. And in um, the letter to the Hebrews, and I do believe Paul is that the author of that. <laughs> you know, scripture scholars can discuss that and in heaven we'll know for sure. But um, anyway, it says, for if we sin deliberately after receiving knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Be fearful, but, but, excuse me, but a fearful prospect of judgment and a fury of fire, which will consume the adversaries. Well, the adversaries, if we sin, we're, we're making ourselves enemies of God. God didn't make sin. He made us. And he made us in the state of grace in union with himself. And he wants us to be in union with him, living as reflections of him. God doesn't sin. <laughs> and so sin puts us at odds with God. Remember, it's the devil who sinned. The devil said, I will not serve. He never saw God face to face. There's, it's, you know, some people might think he did because they read books. And there's, there's a book called Faust. I never read it. But mm -hmm. Father William Wagner mentions it in one of his talks. And he says, there's a line in Faust, which is, he said, it's a great piece of rhetoric, but it's not correct theologically. Okay. Great piece of rhetoric, but not correct theologically. And so I guess Faust is calling on the devil and the devil comes and, and then Faust says, well, wait a minute, how can you be out of hell in here if you're the devil? And the devil says, Dost thou not think that I, who have once saw the face of God, do not now suffer a thousand hells? 
that in, in other words, anywhere I am is hell because I, but he never saw the face of God. That's where it's theologically incorrect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he never saw the face of God because he, he, like us, God, you know, we don't appreciate something that we don't, that that's given to us freely and, and everything is given to us freely, but we, heaven is not, um, we have to ask the Lord. Mm-hmm. We have to humble ourselves and acknowledge our need for him. And that's what Satan wasn't willing to do. When, when God revealed his plan for man, that God would create man and the angels would serve man. Now the angels are, they're spirits, they're pure spirits. They, and man is a lower creature by nature. And they're like, Satan was cut to the quick. You mean I have to serve him? Wait a minute, you know, no, I'm not going to serve. And so, yeah, we have to give up sin. We can't live in sin and be a friend of God. Sin makes us enemies of God. It estranges us from God. It darkens our intellect and it weakens our will. Our intellect was made to know God, the true good, and to choose him. And our will was made to choose what our intellect shows us is the true good. And that's why it's very important that we know that God is the true good. And the problem with we human beings is, you know, the, the angels know directly. That's why they only got one choice. We get more than one choice because we don't know directly. We come to know through our senses and we have to think about it. And we have to reason, but we need God's help. It, by the way, anybody out there who's listening, you think you're an atheist? If you want faith, ask for it. Amen. And if you're a militant atheist, by the way, Bishop Sheen pointed out something about militant atheism. There's only one thing that gives a militant atheist sanity, the existence of God, because it is insane to militate against that which does not exist. That's the def. you know, we, we don't, if you're militating against ghosts and centaurs, they're going to lock you up because why? Because they don't exist. So if you're militating against God, it's insane the only thing that gives you any sanity is the fact that he exists. It wouldn't be insane if he didn't exist, but he does exist. And by the way, you don't need faith to know that. That God exists can be discerned by the light of your natural reason. Even the pagans before the time of Christ knew that there was a God. And Socrates came to the, the realization that in order to know him, we have to live a virtuous, disciplined life life and we can't live a life of debauchery and sin a pagan greek and this is what he was teaching this is why they killed him mm-hmm. again it's no there's nothing new under the sun right we don't want to hear the gospel that i have to give up my sins and i can't live for my own pleasure and it's, and it's not about just whatever makes me feel good so we have to give up sin if we're going to follow the lord if we're going to be true to him and follow and follow him So we need to avoid sin. And then in the letter of James, we have another passage where he talks about the, um, in a sense, it sounds like you're, you know, you're earning um, and it's, you're earning as it were your, your forgiveness. He says, my brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and we'll cover a multitude of sins. That when we bring other people back to Christ, yep. God forgives us and he gives, and it's not that, how do you say that? that? It's not that there's merit in what we do in and of itself. It's that God attaches merit to it. 
God desires that we should strive and work for heaven. And it's not, what was it? Father said one time, he said, you know, there's a heresy in our world today. And the heresy is that it's easy to get to heaven. Everybody goes. Oh yeah, universal salvation. And that's not true. It's an arduous task. But we have the help of God. And we have the help of the angels and the saints who have gone before us. We are, a com- you know, we're in a communion. We're, we're part of the body of Christ. So when one member is exalted, all the members are exalted. But when one member suffers, all the members suffer. So we need to pray for each other that we will have the grace to give up our sins and to realize we need to be bringing each other back to Christ. We want to return to the Lord. We want to live the life the Lord has shown us. I, I love that, that catechetical minute you had there where it says, you know, are we looking in the mirror of Jesus Christ? What mirror are we using? If Jesus Christ is the mirror we're using, then we will grow in virtue and we'll become like him. If if we're using ourselves as the mirror, if we're using the world as the mirror, if we're using the flesh or the devil as the mirror, uh, that can get pretty darn ugly after a while. You know? Yep. Pretty, pretty ugly. So we want to be using Christ as that mirror. Looking at Christ and becoming, by the way, that's what the rosary is. Sure. October is the month of the rosary in the Catholic Church. It's dedicated to Our Lady the Rosary. Right. And the reality is, is that when we pray the rosary, and everybody can pray the rosary, you use the words from Luke's gospel, the Annunciation uh, to Mary, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, and blessed art thou among women. And then Elizabeth adds, blessed is the fruit of your womb. And you meditate on the life of Christ. Why? so that we can become more like him every day. You know, Mother Teresa had a prayer that she said, you know, it says, Dear Lord, help us to spread your fragrance everywhere we go. Flood our souls with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess our whole being so utterly that we may only a, may be only a radiance of you. Shine through us and be so in us that everyone we come in contact with may feel your presence in our soul. Let them look up and see no longer us, but only Jesus. Stay with us, Jesus. Then we shall begin to shine as you shine. So to shine is to be a light to others. The light, oh, Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be ours. It will be you shining on others Mm -hmm. through us. Let us just praise you in the way that you love best by shining on those around you. Let us preach you without preaching, not by our words, but by our actions by the sympathetic influence, the catching force, the evident fullness of the love that our hearts bear to you. This is the lesson of the saints. This is the lesson of St. Therese of Lisieux. This is the lesson of Mother Teresa, who learned from St. Therese of Lisieux, that we need to be in the presence of Christ to let him fill us with his love and his spirit so that we can then go out and give that to the world. So it's not a faith alone that saves us. It's not enough to say, Lord, Lord, even the devils know that God is God and they tremble. You know, we need to have that charity. We need to be imbued with the charity and let that charity flow through us to others. A service. We need to stop serving ourselves and start serving God by keeping his commandments and praying every day and spending time with him and then from that prayer time, and that's what Mother Teresa, she said, if I didn't see Jesus in the Eucharist, I wouldn't see him in my neighbor. She and her sisters spent about four hours a day in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament in prayer, mm. not all at once. 
But they had an extra special, the sisters had asked at one point if they could have an extra holy hour. They would go out in the morning to work and then they'd come back to the house for lunch and then they would go back in the afternoon. And the sisters said, in between that time, we need an hour with Jesus, mother. We need another hour with Jesus in the blessed sacrament so that we can be filled to take him out again in the afternoon. These were his sisters asked for this. These are the women who, you know, the missionaries of charity, (laughs) The beautiful, and this is it, you know, this charity, this charity of God that animates our faith. And that's beautiful. There's the Legion of Mary prayer, you know, we confer, O Lord, on us the fullness of faith. and Confer, O Lord, on us a faith. There's a prayer at the end. It's a beautiful, but a faith firm and immovable is a rock through which we shall rest tranquil and steadfast amid the crosses and toils of life, a courageous faith which will inspire us to undertake and carry out without hesitation great things for God and for the salvation of souls. Are we, you know, this is a faith that's animated by charity, animated by charity, which will enable us to carry out what God is asking us to do. Hmm. And it's not about my will, it's about asking the Lord, what is your will for me? And then conforming myself. I remember I used to go round and round with somebody about this. They'd say, no, well, God's will is that I have my will. And I said, no, but God's will is that you surrender your will to him so that he can work in and through you. And they didn't know God's will is that I have my will. Well, yeah, God's will is that you have your will. And St. Thomas Aquinas said that because God gave you free will, even if you were to choose a vocation that God hadn't chosen for you, you could still be saved as long as you stay faithful to God. And I, I hear that music, Terry. Hey, that's right. Don't forget to visit CatholicRC.org. I want to make sure people are aware that's our download website, CatholicRC.org. Lots of goodies you can download from Scott Hahn to Bishop Sheen to Dr. Michael Barber to many other great apologists. We'll be back with more on The Bible with the Barber. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. Back to Bible with the Barbers. And we're talking today about faith that is in, 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 um, alive with love, alive with charity. And I, I found my little, what's called the Catina Legionis. It's the prayers of the Legion of Mary. And, and it, 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 this is the prayer. This is the beginning of it. It says, Confer, O Lord, on us who serve beneath the standard of Mary, that fullness of faith in thee and trust in her to which it is given to conquer the world. Grant us a lively faith animated by charity, which will enable us to perform all of our actions from the motive of pure love of thee and ever to see thee and serve thee in our neighbor. And then it goes on. It's it's beautiful. You can look that up, the, the Legion of Mary prayers. But that's and that's what we're talking about here. It's not it's not faith alone. It's a faith that is animated by charity. And we have you know it's interesting because in the Gospels themselves, Jesus at the you know when he talks about the last judgment, what does he say to those who are going to heaven? He says, "I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me." I was away from home and you welcomed me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was sick and you visited me. Whatever you did for the least of my brothers, you did for me. And to the souls who are damned, he's saying you didn't do those things. 
Now, again, and again, it's not, it's just not a matter of, of, of social work. This isn't just a social work, a, um, what do you say, a disinterested, um, okay, you know, I'll write a check and I'll give them a check, um, you know, or, or, you know, it's one of the problems with social welfare. It, it's not necessarily animated by charity. It's a service that's animated by charity, and that charity is a specific charity, the love of God, God's love, that we see in our neighbor the unique, unrepeatable image and likeness of God, and we recognize his dignity as a human person, and so we love him and serve him out of love for God. Remember when the rich young man comes to Jesus and he says, Master, what good must I do? And Jesus says to me, why do you ask me about what's good? Keep the commandments. And what's interesting is Jesus gives him commandments four through ten. You know, honor your father and your mother. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and the young man says, but I did all this. What's lacking? Well, <laughs> the first three. <laughs> I am the Lord your God. You shall have no strange gods before me. To not take the name of the Lord your God in vain to remember to keep holy the Sabbath day, to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, mind, and soul. So the first commandment was what was missing there. And Jesus tells the young man, well, go and sell what you have and come follow me. Every Jew in that audience knew that he was saying, he was, he was claiming to be God in that moment. Because if you go and sell everything you have and follow me, you are fulfilling the first three commandments of the, of the Decalogue. Jesus, he, he had given the second, you know, the, remember the first commandment is to love the Lord God first above everything else. And the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. So he gave him the second commandment, but the young man had already kept that. So he still lacks that love of God. So we can love our neighbor and still, you know, have to, we're still attached to our worldly things. We need to give up that attachment to the worldly things and come to let go of those for love of God. The two go together. And that's what has to be. They have to go together. And it was not someone, I remember the Protestant ministers, many of them became Catholic and they said, it's not, you know, for, oftentimes it's, it, we, we want to make it either or. It's either this or that. It's either faith or works. It's either, you know, the scriptures or, or um, you know, the church. It's not. It's both and. It's both and. It's faith and works that are animated by charity because of the love of God that we have from our faith. But it's not enough to have faith alone. We have to have both. We have to have faith and we have to have that charity. And we have to, that, that has to be in service of our neighbor. So we have to do the will of God. We, we can't just talk about it. We can't just give it lip service. We need to do the will of God. You know, Mary, if I can just jump in again. I know I've been jumping in and out. Uh, Scott Hahn did a series way back in the early 90s called The Bible Alone. It's like eight and a half hours of teaching. I mean, it's a lot more than we can do on an hour. And he gives the best uh, positions of our Protestant brothers on the Bible alone, but then he tears it apart in a very gentle way. And I would just encourage people who want that to call us at 877 877- Five two six two one five one. We could send you a link if you want to make a donation. Great. If you don't, that's okay too. But I believe that this is one of the best explanations of a former Protestant, as Dr. Scott Hahn was. He believed that it was Bible alone, and he gives some really good explanations on how he came to understand that that's not true. So I would recommend you to check it out. 
877-526-2151. Right. And that, yeah, that, that's excellent. And then we're, we're um, looking here now. At, I want to look at John 5, verse 28. And, it, and t- again, about the fact that we need to be doing God's will to be keeping his commandment. Mm-hmm. It's not enough just to give lip service to the Lord. He wants our whole heart and he wants us to be changed from within. Mm-hmm. Not, we're not dunghills covered with snow. Right. He says, there will, there, uh, do not marvel for the hour is coming. This is the gospel of John chapter five, verse 20, 28 and 29. For the hour is coming when all those in the tomb will hear the voice of God and hear his voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Mm. So we're called to do what God does. And what does God do? He pours out his blessings and his grace and his mercy, and he does good. Everything that God made is good. Sin makes things bad. And when we turned away from God, um, that's when we, you know, get got into trouble. <laughs> right. And and there's quite a few passages here again about the 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 merits, the merits that God attaches to our work. We have Philippians 2, 12, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, Romans 2, 6 through 10, Matthew 25, 32 through 46. Again, that's the last judgment. That God attaches merit to what we did. That that it's the works that the people did. It's not at the end of when he judges people, he's not gonna say, Oh, you believed in me. He's gonna say, did you serve your neighbor? Did you serve your neighbor out of love for me? Galatians 6, 6 through 10, Revelations 2. And I can read just a couple of those passages sure. so that we have, you know, you have some, some, some bit of a, a flavor for what, what we're talking about here. So Galatians 2, 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's Paul writing. Work out mm-hmm. your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't sound like, you know, it, it sounds like we need to work at it. There's sure. It's, again, it's an arduous task. But you know what? We're not alone. God isn't just leaving us to our own devices. He sent his son. He sent his son into this world. And in every age, he raises up saints, men and women outstanding in holiness. St. Therese of Lezou, today's saint, okay? Outstanding to show us the way, to reenkindle in our hearts, our trust in God, and to say, no, even in these times, even in our times that seem so troubled and dark, God is here in our midst. And then in, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive good or evil according to what he has done in the body. Mm. So according to our works will we be judged. Yeah. So it's not, you know, and that's why for Catholics, it's not, you know, we don't try not to take and, and we don't want to take and, and be careful because we any one of us can do this at any moment. We take a scripture passage and take it out of contents. Well, we need to leave it in its context and understand it in the full context of all of scripture. Mm-hmm. All of scripture is God's holy word. All of scripture speaks to us. OK, but everything that Jesus said and did is not written in the scriptures. So but he, he shows us he showed us clearly that our works have to reflect this love, yep. this commi- this love. And, and again, to keep his commandments. And if you have any wonder about whether or not, you know, he really meant this. Well, mm. he, he inspired John, the apostle John, to write about it in his first letter. And he says um, in John 1, 2, 
verses 3 and 4, or 3 through 5, he says, And by this we may be sure that we know him, if we keep his commandments. So how do we know we love God? By keeping his commandments. We're not dunghills covered with snow. It's not about sin and sin boldly. No, we give up our sins and keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, but disobeys his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not found in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly love for God is perfected. And we're looking for that perfection of love, which only God accomplishes. But he accomplishes it in those who keep his commandments. He wants us to obey. He wants us to be like him. And he is loving. And he asks us to be loving. And then in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 24, he goes on, All who keep his commandments abide in him and he in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit he has given us. And then he finishes off there with chapter 5, verse 3. It says, for, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So, you know, just in case we aren't convinced, we need this love. It's not just enough to have faith or to say I have faith. We have to love the Lord our God and allow his love to fill us and bring us to service. You know, you know, Mary, I think when you said that God wants us, he, he wills our salvation, okay? Now, he wills it. He wants us. He loves us so much that he wills that we be saved, but he does give us free will to choose it. Exactly. And that's the beauty of our Lord because there's no value in saying yes to God unless you can say no. And so really, he leaves it in, you know, that door without the handle. Right. It's just like that. We got to, you know, he open up the door, knock on the door. Jesus is knocking on the door. Yeah. The door is the door of our heart, but we are the only ones who can open it. We have to open it to him. Yep. So, yes, God gave us free will, but he didn't give us that free will to exercise it for our own detriment, to our own um, destruction. He gave it to us so that we can give our wills to him and live in his love and in his grace. And we do that by turning our will to him every day and saying, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to live in union with you. And remember, salvation is ours for the asking. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. You want to go to heaven. You want to be saved. Ask for it every day. If you want the gift of faith, ask for it. It is a gift. And if you want more faith, ask for it every day. Thank you for listening. I, the time is up, Terry. How I know it. Remember what Bishop Sheen said. He said, you give me your time and I'll give you my eternity. That's what God says to us. Yep. So let's give him our time so that he can give us his eternity. Amen. Thanks again. Hope you have a great weekend. And you can pick up all the podcasts by going to vmpr.org. And not only Bible with the Barbers, but all of our shows are there. Pick up our app by going to vmpr.org. And if you'd like to make a donation, you can call 877-526-2151. Or go to vmpr.org. May God richly bless you and your family.